Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. If you're ever stopped at a railway crossing and the signals are flashing and you don't see a train or it looks like it's moving slowly and you're thinking maybe you could get across the tracks before the train comes, think about this. In 2018 alone, 270 people were killed at railway crossings. 270. Stop. Trains can't. Now let's start Not Sam Wrestling. is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey, 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 what is going on here? Welcome. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Boy, oh boy. It's been a fun week. It's been an interesting week in this world of wrestling. First of all, And I don't know. I mean, if there's big news, I guess we'll talk about it. But I don't think we're going to cover too much XFL on uh, Not Sam Wrestling. Because the F in XFL stands for football. And this is a wrestling podcast. But not a bad look. Signing the big deal with Disney, ESPN, ABC, Fox, Fox Sports. Fox Sports 2, I think, as well. All carrying XFL games. Multi-year deal signed. It's getting interesting, folks. It's getting very, very interesting. Well, and it's super interesting considering, you know, this is one company. There's a lot on its plate. And uh, look at look at what went down on Raw and SmackDown this week. Clearly, WWE is responding to reports of ratings being down. And I, it's not really reports of ratings being down. It feels like they're responding to the ratings being down. They uh, uh, The last time something like this happened was five months ago or so in December when the McMahon family came out and said that they're going to shake things up and uh, focus more on what the audience wants. Now, they've decided to go forward after last week, apparently the ratings for Raw again. And I only say apparently because I'm not a ratings expert. I'm not a numbers guy. I'm a guy who watches a show and gives his opinion on the show. But uh, ratings were, were down way low and... They decided to respond to that. They responded to that uh, with what is now, I guess, being known as the wild card rule. But they're trying to, it feels like, switch things up again on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and just have more star power, I think, available to both shows. And that's what the wild card rule is all about. This week on the show, uh, I wanted to get somebody on that I could not only ask their opinion on what's happening, because look, for me, I think that. I, I was, a, 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 as far as the wild card rule goes, I've always been a guy that wants story. I want the why. I'm always going, why, why, why? Just tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heartache. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a mistake. Tell me why I never want to hear you say that I want it that way. Tell me why. That's it. 
I'm all about the story. If you want to do uh, uh, the wild card rule, that's fine. Tell me why. If uh, Kobe Kingston and Daniel Bryan are going to be facing each other on Raw, great. Tell me why and get me excited about it. And sometimes that happens, and sometimes it does not. But I'm much more of a why guy than a who guy, and that's just me. I'm not necessarily one that needs to have every big star on every show as long as you're giving me a great reason as to why I'm watching the people that I'm watching. Um, and I think WWE just needs to get to a point. I, I believe that the, uh, that the rating, not the ratings, the, the roster right now that the WWE has is in terms of talent deeper than it's ever been. I think, I mean, you just look at who's on that roster. You've got from the top to the bottom, you've got Seth Rollins and Kofi Kingston and Roman Reigns. You got Kevin Owens, you got Daniel Bryan, you got Sami Zayn, you've got uh, uh, Braun Strowman, you got Cesaro, you've got Andrade, you got Finn Balor, you got Bobby Lashley, you got Elias, Shane McMahon, you got The Miz. You have so many people. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. You know, I mean, look at who you've got in the women's division. You got Becky Lynch. You got Charlotte. You got Lacey Evans. You got Asuka. You got uh, uh, Kaidi Sane. You have uh, Vicious and Delicious, Sonya and uh, and Mandy. You have Bailey. You got Ember Moon. Come on. The names go on and on forever. And I'm just going off the top of my head right now. I'm sure I'm. Uh, there, there's many, 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 many more that I could list. Um, but... Every single one of them needs a why. And I think that that's the place that WWE is going to get to. I think that we are going to see. I think that the Kofi Kingston had more why in the last two days than I've ever seen. You know, I wanted uh, Seth Rollins to come out on Raw this week when all those SmackDown guys started the show and say, hey, this is Monday Night Rollins. This is my show. I'm not here for segment two. I'm here for segment one, and I don't know who all of you think you are. None of you are bigger than me. Get out of my ring. And I love that Kofi Kingston did that on SmackDown pretty much to AJ Styles when AJ tried to get in his ring. And Sami Zayn stuck his nose in there. I thought it was great. Um, but that's the type of stuff I like. I like when somebody like Kofi Kingston comes in and, 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 and gives me a why. And then by the time we get to the end... And we see AJ Styles versus Sami Zayn versus Kofi Kingston. There's a pretty strong why that was built into that opening segment on SmackDown. More so on SmackDown, I think, than on Raw. Uh, but I wanted to uh, talk about this uh, this week on the podcast. And I think that, that this is kind of all-encompassing. So this week's interview um, is going to be kind of... It's, it's one of those special episodes where we're kind of combining the state of wrestling and the interview segment into one super topical conversation uh, with my pal Wade Keller. Before we get there, I all, I want to thank Steel Cage Customs. Steel Cage Customs, they do a tremendous job. Um, they make stickers and ropes and they paint and uh, create, uh, they use the WWE Mattel Retro Ring and they use a spray paint and custom-made stickers and ropes to create all kinds of different rings. They have one that looks just like the old Hasbro King of the Ring ring. I saw that they just made an in-your-house ring. They sent me in the mail, and I'll post this up on social media. By the time you're hearing this, it should be up. They sent me uh, an official Mattel Retro Not Sam Wrestling 
WWE ring, and it's the coolest thing in the world. It's black and red. It's got the big logo in the middle. It just looks awesome. I'm going to post photos. Uh, if you guys want, over on Patreon at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, if you want an unboxing video so I can show you on video what everything looks like, I'll be happy to do that. Just let me know that that's what you want. But check uh, check my social media, and I'll post photos of it. But thanks to Steel Cage Customs. Now, Wade Keller is, of course, uh, the guy behind the PW Torch. He also does the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts every week. He does uh, four or five a week. It's it's amazing the amount of wrestling content that this guy produces. Um, but he's an expert at this, you know, and I, I kind of, whenever conversations about ratings come up, I'm such a novice when it comes to this. Uh, I kind of wonder how, like, cause you know, you look at the charts and it's like, they're down, but they're not like in the toilet down dramatically from like a year ago. They're just down from a year ago, you know? And when you look, you know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago, when they're down a ton, then you go, okay, well, that was before social media. That was before all this. So uh, I wanted to talk to Wade Keller about a couple things. First and foremost, this is a guy who's been analyzing ratings uh, in wrestling since anybody's been analyzing ratings in wrestling on a week-by-week basis. So this is a guy that I can actually ask, hey, what is the story that these ratings are actually telling right now? Because I don't know. Secondly, what story are these ratings telling in the context of this time this year that we're in this time when when there are youtube clips everywhere and there's hulu and there's dvr what are the ratings telling us secondly i want to get into uh the creative aspects with him and and what wwe needs to do in terms of the brand split in terms of stories in terms of stars and what was good and what was bad on some of these shows you know i think that there's been a lot of criticisms uh especially about raw this week i read a whole bunch on twitter um and justifiably so you know, I think SmackDown had more good than Raw this week for sure. Um, but I wanted to talk about both things because that's what we do here on Not Sam Wrestling. Uh, and I appreciate it. I was looking at the Discord room that all you guys that are on Patreon slash Not Sam Wrestling, all the Not Sam shills, I loved reading all your comments throughout Raw and SmackDown as the show was going. It's a good gauge for me in terms of what you guys are thinking. Um, but this is it. This week, State of Wrestling is looped in to the interview segment because my guest is the incomparable Wade Keller. Let's go. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. Well, there's a lot going on this week and I thought it only appropriate to uh, talk to, as you all know, one of my favorite people to talk wrestling with back on Not Sam Wrestling. Uh, you know him best from the pro wrestling torch. The man, the myth, the legend, Wade Keller is back. What's going on, Wade? Uh, am I more man, myth, or legend? Uh, at this point, I feel like you've been on the show long enough that you are no longer a myth. Um, <laughs> but I, after after the show we did where you chronicled your history, I would say legend. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I wasn't even <laughs> looking for anything there. I didn't even think about what I was asking, but I, but I like I like how it ended up. Well, yeah, I mean, I hadn't thought about it either. But if you're going to ask, I, we've, we've got to analyze where we're at right now. And I would say uh, I would say legend is fitting. Uh, so wait, first of all. How is everything in your world? How is everything in the world of the PW Torch? Uh, what's going on? I'm just happy I got grass seed out yesterday on the spots where the dog did business <laughs> in time for today's very rainy day. It's just perfect timing. <laughs> I am so happy. Like little things in life make me happy now. 
I got all the dead grass pulled up. The grass seed laid down yesterday in a beautiful 70-degree day, and it's pouring rain, so I don't have to pull the sprinkler out. That's what makes my day these days. So I, I, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, perfect. How can you complain at that point, right? <laughs> right, exactly. What do you have to complain about? Uh, well, I mean, other than wrestling, of course. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, this week was a really, to me, very, very interesting week in the world of WWE because uh, whether successful or not, and that's certainly worth a conversation, uh, WWE clearly has gotten to the point where it's acknowledging, at least in my mind, I mean, when I watch the show, it would appear to me that there is a pretty direct acknowledgement of what is going on in the ratings, specifically with Raw, but I think with SmackDown a little bit too. Uh, first of all, since you are somebody who, through the pro wrestling torch, has been really recording and analyzing ratings for WWE TV shows, kind of since they started to be important, which is, you know, 95 for the Monday Night Wars, at the end of 95 is, is the first time I remember as a fan anybody even talking about TV ratings. But you have been analyzing these ratings for, you know, 20 years Plus, at this point, uh, what is your take on the current ratings situation of Raw and lesser so SmackDown, especially when you think about it in the context of the time that we're living in? Yeah, well, well first, I'll just add a little historical note. Even before Nitro and Raw went head to head, because I've been doing the Porcing Torch newsletter since the late 80s. Now I'm doing the Wade Killer Porcing podcast. That feels like that's my main job these days because I'm standing in front of this microphone so much. But it was exciting <laughs> In the newsletter back then when Ross started because we it, we got to track TV ratings for something from the very start and got a sense of the ebb and flow of is what they're doing over time working or not working. That was even before it became like a weekly headline story in the newsletter in the pre-internet days. You know, the, the quarter hour ratings, the the blips, the, the, the people switching back and forth between shows who was on TV at that point. You got to learn a lot about that. But even before that, it was interesting to see, is Raw gaining audience or losing audience? In, with syndicated TV, you just couldn't do that. Um, it was it, There wasn't a week-to-week -week way to track WWF superstars when it was on on a different time, on a different channel, all over the country. Those numbers were really hard to gauge. You had the you know, rankings of syndicated shows, but that was like, it was just, you couldn't wrap your head around it or learn anything from it. So that's been going on for even before the Monday Night War, and we're watching that now too. There isn't that head-to-head -head battle, but what we're getting is week-to-week, -week, but I find even more interesting, year-to-year -year comparisons. And there's all kinds of X factors. I mean, is it fair to compare Raw's rating or even audience level now to what they did 20 years ago this week? Well, no, it's, it's not, quote, fair because they're not exactly – they're not the exact comparisons in terms of the 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 lay of the land and, and the cable landscape and all that. But when you do it year to year, I think it is. Um, and for instance, in 2017 and 2018, ratings were pretty steady for WWE after falling for a while. Something has happened since last fall. And there's a sharper drop off uh, than I think anyone anticipated or that anyone can really explain objectively it's mm -hmm. it's it's up for speculation and that's a position Vince McMahon is in and so I'm I'm not sympathetic to what I think are a lot of kind of long-term 
decisions that were made that I disagree with in terms of the, the culture of the presentation, too much corporate speak, not enough attention to the mid card to make the show start to finish seem important, not enough stress on the athleticism. There's things just to my taste, but also to my analysis of what I think would connect with the fans most based on interacting with them constantly in my life, <laughs> um, professionally and personally, all that's there. But I d- am sympathetic to Vince in terms of looking at things and going, what do we do to fix this? Because last week was a shock to the system. And so if you look at what are some short-term solutions to maybe if some TV executives are wondering why the car they haven't even driven off the lot yet, it has a bumper falling off, you want to glue that bumper back on quick. And I think a wild card rule is a way to do that. I think it makes sense to think, well, if Roman's on both shows and Kofi's on both shows and people don't know who's going to be on both shows, that creates a mystery. And we know from looking at hourly ratings and back in the day, quarterly ratings, even with Ron Smack, uh, Nitro, fans are excited about mysteries. Like they will stay tuned to see a mystery. You have to pay it off more often than not with a good payoff or you'll lose that. But people stick around for mysteries. So now there's this idea of who will appear on Raw this week from SmackDown and vice versa. And it creates less recycling of the same people against each other. I mean, how many times have we seen some combination of Drew Lashley and Baron against members of the Shield on Raw for months? So this gives him more to work with. Uh, So I understand that. That said, that's my final point here on kind of answering your question, I think. Um, I put up a poll on on Twitter at PWTorch on Raw, during Raw. And I said, does Vince McMahon's new wildcard rule address reasons you have been disenchanted with Ron SmackDown, such as wanting to see certain top stars more often on both shows to mix things up. 8% said yes. 82% said no. 10% said, I'm not disenchanted. Huh. <laughs> I'm not sure what's more alarming. Only 10% said, I'm not disenchanted. I disagree with the premise of the question. Or 82% saying this doesn't address it. That doesn't mean it's not exciting this week. But I, I think from the long, in the long term, this is a really good time for Vince McMahon to sit down and say, all right, I've been busy with a lot of things. We had some good things going. We've got these good TV deals. We got all this revenue coming in. We've been pretty happy with ourselves. Let's get unhappy for a minute and reevaluate just everything that we're doing. And maybe some things that I thought were good ideas aren't, or maybe some ideas I discarded in the past, we ought to now try because we are getting some hands being raised in the crowd from fans going, hey, this isn't working for me like it did a year or two ago. So when you put up a poll like that, or when you say, you know, you interact with fans as often as you do and to kind of gauge interest and and figure out, okay, this is my opinion. And when I talk to people, this is kind of what their opinion is. Um, How much of your audience and the people that you talk to and the people that answer the polls at PW Torch, how much of that represents the audience that Raw is missing and how much of that is really the hardcore fans that are probably going to watch anyway? Meaning, is what the people answering your poll want the same as the audience that Raw wants? Does that make sense? Totally. It's a great question. I I have anecdotal evidence only, um, but I think it's pretty compelling. One, when... I get the type of feedback that I get among people who, I mean, that was like 1,300 votes in that Twitter poll. Um, Not a tiny sample size, but not tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. But what I find is there's sort of a canary in the coal mine, or there's uh, a thought leaders, is that a term now? Uh, Influencers. (laughs) Um, I get a sense that the 
the it, I get the early rumblings of an earthquake from the people who listen to my podcasts throughout the week and email them and respond to Twitter polls and respond to our pwtorch.com polls. I, I, I think I can tell when there's a tremor for an earthquake coming before it even shows up in terms of a drop in rating and attendance. Like I think the people who follow our intense coverage of it are more tuned in to warning signs than the casual fan who's sort of going along for the ride and isn't really analyzing why am I compelled to buy a ticket and book my weekend around going to WWE versus not. They're not really thinking about it. They're just sort of reacting on gut. And the people who follow and intent the, the so-called hardcore fan art and fan, they're they're not only having that gut reaction, but when it's not positive, they want to analyze it and talk about it and think about it and study it and break it down with other people. Also, for instance, WrestleMania, there's controversy. We must see Becky Ronda one-on-one, or do we want to see a triple threat, or do we want to see Charlotte Ronda one-on-one? And, you know, for a couple months, quote, my audience, for lack of a better term, uh, the, the people who I hear from very much wanted Becky Ronda one-on-one. And I don't think it was a disaster what happened at Mania by any means, but that, that's, where pe- that's where the sentiment was in the months leading up to it. And I ran polls, and I had a response. WWE.com mm-hmm. ran a similar poll. Our percentages matched up almost exactly. <laughs> so there's that. And then when WWE puts up a tweet about something these days, and it's on their official account, if you read the reader response, I mean, if if I want Vince McMahon in a good mood and I work for WWE, I hide him from Twitter because I don't want him to read what people following the WWE.com official Twitter account are saying. And I understand YouTube comments and Twitter comments can be toxic and all that and brings out the worst in people sometimes. But that sentiment is there, in other words, outside of the audience that has discovered us and follows us. But I think that, that I think that that's actually a great point that that there is a thing when maybe the hardcores and the casuals are watching and not watching for the exact same reason. But it's the hardcores that actually sit there and spend the time analyzing why we're attracted or not attracted to this, and it's the casuals that just turn it off and move on to something else. Yes. Yeah. No. No. I agree. That's the thing. I, I think the they're discarding the hardcore fan because you think, well, they'll be there, be here anyway. I, I, I know hardcore fans who are not watching Raw and SmackDown. They're not, they're, they're commenting, they're, they're hoping, they're venting, they're watching other wrestling, but they're not watching Raw and SmackDown because it's not giving them what they look for, for their precious, you know, wind down time after work. Now, are they um, not are they not watching at all, or is a lot of it have to do with the fact that they don't feel as compelled to watch it because they know that should anything catastrophic or amazing happen, they'll be able to watch it on YouTube or Hulu yeah. the next day. Yeah, that that is absolutely true, and and it's it's not kind of a binary choice between well, I'm going to watch Raw and SmackDown every week, start to finish, or not. Sometimes it's I'm going to watch it every few weeks, or when I'm in the mood, or when there's not some, a sporting event I want to watch on a Game Seven of something. In the playoffs, it, it, it some people are just going to watch no matter what until they don't like the product and then they turn it off. But I think a lot of people are like, well, I watch every week. Now I watch every two weeks. Now I'm watching every four weeks, but I'm only watching a segment here and there. I'm channel flipping more. So you have that that in, that kind of thing going on. But YouTube highlights and WWE.com highlights have been there for years. And from 2017 to 2018, the numbers were similar. Um, from 17 to 18, like things had kind of steadied. The roster split and SmackDown going live on USA led to a surge in SmackDown and they kind of held steady and, and things were pretty good in those two years. And now we're back to a drop off. So 
YouTube was around then, WWE.com was around then. People could wait around and watch just the highlights if they wanted to. But there's a big drop off this year compared to the past two years. Just I'm not gonna throw a bunch of stats, but here's three numbers mm-hmm. um, for uh, for the ratings for Raw. In fact, I thought I had it up, but I didn't. Let me bring up Raw because Raw last night improved to a 1.63. Actually, I think I have the number memorized. And a year ago, and two years ago, the ratings were 1.94 and 1.90. So pretty close to the last two years, and then this year it was way down. If you look at even a bigger scope of ratings, though, and that's the number I was going for. Now I've got it up here. Um, The yearly average for Raw this year is 1.83. Through this week in 2018 and 2017, 2.26 and 2.25. So 17 and 18, you could watch highlights on YouTube, but they had ratings of 2.26 on average through this week and 2.25 through this week. This year, 1.83. That's a big percentage drop off. And mm-hmm. that has happened since the TV deals were signed with Fox in the renewal for NBC Universal with the big checks attached. So that's where I think Vince's concern is. And that's why I think he's as much as I think he believes in the roster split and you have to watch both shows to see all top stars. And I know that's his rationale because he called, literally called me and ran it by me when he was thinking about doing it. Um, he was like, Wade, do you think if we put Rock on SmackDown and Austin on Raw and, we, and it's exclusive, will people who aren't watching SmackDown start watching SmackDown who only watch Raw right now? And I said, yes, I think that will work. That was the, you know, the, the initial inspiration for it. He believes in that, but I think he feels like he's, he doesn't have the roster depth to, to make those shows as compelling as they need when he looks at the possibilities of the next few months of uh, TV matches because there's so much TV time to film now. Well, what do you think? Do you think that the brand split should be done away with? Do you think it should be relaxed? I mean, to me, I feel like if we're going to look at history, we'll look at really the reason why the brand split came back all together. And, and it came right around the time that SmackDown went live. And that was when Raw became the Raw Super Show. SmackDown kind of became, you know, a, a recap of Raw. It became yeah. totally not must-see viewing whatsoever. And I mean, I don't, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, obviously. I don't have a rich history of publishing newsletters like you do, but I don't think anybody was watching SmackDown for the most part uh, when the, you know, other than, I'm not talking about in when it first, first, first debuted. I'm talking about most recently when there was that break, when there was no roster split because Raw became the Raw Super Show. SmackDown was not, a popular show and that was because people felt like they had gotten their fill on raw and storylines didn't really progress on SmackDown because yeah. they saved them for raw. And and that's, I think less of a danger this time because SmackDown people are assuming maybe incorrectly, but I think reasonably so that's going to become the a show in October when SmackDown goes live on Fox broadcast network. And so I'm not worried this time about, if there isn't a brand split or a roster split of SmackDown becoming, um, you know, basically a, a, a recap show with, you know, basically WCW Thunder, you know, a show you can miss. Right. You only watch if you're a really hardcore fan. But how do you make it seem special? What signal was sent this week when Roman Reigns, newly acquired to SmackDown, showed up on Raw and then wasn't on SmackDown? If you're a, if you're a fan in, other than highlight packages, if you're a fan on who attended the show in Louisville, you're thinking, awesome, I did. I bought a walk-up ticket. Roman's on SmackDown now, but you got 
and, and no, no offense to AJ, but you got AJ. That's different than what you expected based on the superstar shakeup. And what signal does that send if that continues, if that's a trend? Hopefully, it you know they just put all the big stars on both shows um, often enough that it doesn't feel like they're playing favorites. But I think that is a concern, and it could hurt. It could make Fox executives even more concerned if over the next couple of months fans go, well, God, I don't need to watch SmackDown to see Roman. Right. Well, I was going to watch SmackDown. Of course, that didn't happen last week in the ratings with that disastrous 1.38. Um you know, down from 153 and 162 and 160 the previous few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, th- I think Vince will protect SmackDown this time. I guess this very my, and I, cause there's just too many reasons to do so at this point, but they, I think he has to be cognizant of the perception of playing favorites or undoing for some people what was, well, I need to watch both shows to see all my favorite stars. And now so often you don't know if the stars aligned with a brand or even going to be on that brand. Yeah. I think that that's right on, on, most of those counts. I, I, yeah, I don't see with this Fox deal, SmackDown not being a huge priority for Vince McMahon and for the WWE. Uh, yeah, so uh, especially, you know, and when we talk about history, like it was a taped show. This is when it was, uh, it was taped on Tuesday, but it was Friday nights, four days old on USA. So that was, I mean, that probably has a lot to do with why there wasn't a, a tremendous amount of energy uh, put into that show back then. Do you, uh, what do you think of this idea that the roster is not as deep as you said, maybe Vince McMahon thinks it should be that maybe Vince at one point thought the roster was deeper than it is right now. Do you feel like the WWE has a shallow roster? I think they have a deep talent roster, but I'm just not, I think that when you look at EC3, yeah. When you look at Robert Roode being rechristened from Bobby to Robert, got a mustache. They're not utilizing EC3, and they could have. Robert Roode, they have done nothing to establish why he's changed and what what's different about him. If you just watch Raw and SmackDown, um, maybe there's some social media video that was seen by people or something where some of this stuff is being handled. But th- those are just two examples of wrestlers who could have been valuable parts of this setup. War, the, the war. Excuse me, Viking Raiders. Yes. The crowd's not reacting to them, but they're super talented. The crowd's reacted to them in NXT. But the, the investment hasn't been there in getting fans to understand who they are beyond their ring entrance, their changing name, and, and a couple comments from the announcers. We need to hear from them. We need to be told by them and shown like they are doing with Lars Sullivan. Show us what you're about. Tell us what you're about. Ali with a video on SmackDown, which was very well done. Um give us more of a sense of who wrestlers are beyond the top six on each roster. And I think if they do that, Vince would discover he has a deeper roster than he realized. Tyler Breeze could be an entertaining attraction filling part of the three hours of Raw, but the time isn't being put in to make that happen. Cesaro, jump from SmackDown to Raw. I'm thinking maybe he and he gets a he gets a win the first week i'm thinking hey they've got a new player here he's been in the tag team situation now he's fresh as a singles wrestler they can have him come out and start destroying people now you suddenly have a new contender for seth rollins somewhere maybe this summer instead of going back to baron corbin which we've watched over and over and over and over again so i think the roster is deeper than how it's presented on tv so i don't think the roster depth is a problem as much as not giving a fresh look and maybe having some hangups uh, or preconceptions about some of the wrestlers who have been around a while and writing off people like EC3 as soon as they arrive and not giving them the push 
that takes full advantage of what I think would be an enthusiastic fan base, not just checking their phones during the match like they were doing for a WWE tag team title match on Raw on Monday. Well, I think that it also goes back to what you were saying earlier about the sort of create a mystery and pay it off. And if you don't do that, or if you pay it off poorly, then eventually chickens come home to roost. That 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 long term, that doesn't work out. And I think that that applies to maybe the Raw after WrestleMania, where you get promised uh, a unification or a, a winner take all Universal WWE Championship match, and you end with this weird bar tag team match. And I think that that leads people to believe that even when stars from other shows show up it's still, you know, going to be like, okay, it's, it's, there's something safe about it. There's a, uh, there's a, a, a safety where anything could happen, but probably won't. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I think too, one of the things that I, I'm sensing fans and I'm hearing fans want more of is just a sense that the people putting the show together, Vincent and primarily, but with this great talented team of creative people and producers and agents and wrestlers giving feedback and the announcers um, are all in and they're, they're on the same page and there's a depth of explanation. Like, you know, Vince McMahon, I'd be like, even on SmackDown uh, this week, AJ came out and said he was crashing the brand. But you also have then the announcers countering that saying, well, no, you, you arrive on a rival brand by, by invitation. Right. So was AJ invited or did he crash it? Like those people want right. to have, and you know, there's all this critiquing going on of of uh, popular television shows, Game of Thrones in particular, and there's real strong opinions about some choices that are being made with characters and and that they're not true to their character or that, you know, whatever. Fans want to be able to watch wrestling, WWE shows, really closely and and believe that they get rewarded for paying close attention. And I would say going forward, one way Vince can regain some goodwill and 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 some faith from, uh, from the fan base that has an allegiance to what WWE produces is reward them for paying attention and get the story straight. Like a couple weeks ago when Seth came out and didn't know who he was wrestling Mm -hmm. and he's asking in the middle of the ring, who am I wrestling? And Michael Cole had just said who he's wrestling a minute earlier. So there's a feeling of, well, I I don't know that what I hear now is what I'm going to hear a minute later. So just kind of get that internal logic and structure more in place. And that might mean finalizing scripts on Friday, not Monday, 10 minutes before going on the air. Um, you know, just kind of changing the, the the culture of the presentation, but also the culture of the creation of the shows and get a little more organized and, and more thorough. Because I think fans today through social media and interacting with each other have a higher standard that for that type of detail that maybe Vince has underestimated is important to fans for quite a while. Um, even how many wrestlers get to switch between brands and how often and under what circumstances. It went from three, then Lars showed up. So maybe it was four just for Lars, but no, now it's four for everybody. But the announcers, Tom Phillips said it's a limited number, but he didn't put a number on it. <laughs> so people get these mixed signals all the time. And I think people just want to know when I go to bed at night, I want to be able to think about WWE and know that what I'm thinking applies next week. And there's not enough of that. So part of it is find a plan, work out the details and present it coherently and cohesively and i think that'll be rewarded it's not the only thing to do but i think it's something fans are are craving we'll get back to wade in just a minute look we've all been there we know how frustrating it is to be driving around you're late you're in a rush there's traffic finally the road opens up you start cruising you might get there in time you get to a railway crossing you're waiting for a train the signals are going but the train's not even there yet so 
Why not, right? Sneak across the tracks, right? Wrong. Don't ever do that. This is what people don't realize. Trains are often going a lot faster than you expect them to be going, and they can't stop. Even if they want to, they can't. If the engineer hits the brakes immediately, it can take over a mile for the train to stop. By that time, what used to be your car is just a crushed hunk of metal, and what used to be you, well, we won't even get in to what used to be you. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train is going to arrive. The train can't stop even if it sees you, and the result is going to be disaster. Look, if the signals are on, the train is on its way, and you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Back to Wade Keller. So something that I was looking at this week specifically, because we all knew this was kind of happening, uh, was who were the breakout stars of Monday and Tuesday, of the last two days of wrestling? Who were the breakout stars? Because even if right now not everything's perfect, I would have to imagine that long term this is being looked at as an evolutionary process where we figure out, like, you know, I, I think that you cannot overstate what a big deal it is that we are living in a post-John Cena WWE. And as much as people booed John Cena and as much as he was uh, uh, polarizing, if that's the word, uh, he was far and away the biggest star on TV. And I think even with Roman Reigns, the fact that he went away for a few months, I think that it, it made us all realize that I mean, his reactions are clearly better than ever. I was really pleasantly surprised, to tell you the truth, that when he came out on Raw, and part of that is probably that Cincinnati uh, is a different city than, like, you know, the mean East Coast cities, but he still has fan support. The Roman Reigns, as much as he was getting trashed on the internet, saying for, you know, oh, you are going to show up on Raw, you're not allowed to show up on Raw, blah, 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 the audience reacted really well to him showing up on Raw. And I think that regardless of what city you're in, when cheers come through the TV speakers, that permeates way beyond just the city. I mean, I think one of the problems with Roman Reigns winning the Rumble all those years ago is that it was in Philly, and so the reaction was what the reaction was, but the world heard Philly's reaction, and the world started to mimic the reaction that Philadelphia had. Um, so, but I think that the when when I think about kind of the breakouts in a world where we are post John Cena and we have to be prepared to not put everything on Roman Reigns. Um, I was looking at some of the people, I think Sami Zayn is, and I don't think I'm, I'm breaking new ground here is a huge breakout with the character that he's doing right now. I don't agree with him being put in the dumpster and into the garbage truck because it kind of felt like that should be reserved for writing off the character entirely. Not isn't that the path to a world title shot? Well, I was, it was kind of like, you know, literally the commentators were, well, not literally, but they were implying that one could die in, in, by, by going through the process that Sami Zayn went through. And then the next night he just kind of stunk. You ultimately, long-term, I think that it's better off that we just get back on course with Sami Zayn because I, right now, the more Sami Zayn on TV, the better. Um, But. I think Sami Zayn was a breakout, except for the garbage dumpster thing. Everything else was great. The I loved the the interaction on SmackDown that he had, where it was like, you know, it was 
Kofi is the is the is the guy and and AJ Styles is the pretty girl and then Sami Zayn is is the other guy that also wants the pretty girl and he's going what about what are you guys doing you guys aren't getting together are you I'm right here asking for you I I loved I loved that setup I thought Sami Zayn was cast perfect in that role uh, I actually thought AJ Styles had a great two days in the sense that he's really coming across since coming to Raw to me feeling a lot stronger than he's felt uh, for the last few months on yeah. SmackDown. Like, he really is reminding people that he's a main event player. I think uh, Kofi Kingston actually had... Oh, he had the best two days, I think. I do, too. I think he had the best yeah. two days of certainly his run as champion and the best two days he's had in a long time and the best two days that anyone has. And it's for two reasons. I think it's... It's the, uh, both of the matches were really good matches. I would have loved for the Raw match to be a little bit longer, but both matches were really good matches. And I loved what he did on SmackDown, and I was missing that from Seth Rollins on Raw. What happened on Raw, when the opening segment is taken over by SmackDown guys, and Drew McIntyre comes out to speak up and say, who do you think you are? I was kind of sitting there going, Where's the whole Raw locker room saying, who do you think you are taking TV time? You know, where is Seth Rollins saying, look, Roman, I get that you're the you're the big dog and Kofi, you're the WWE champion and so-and-so and so-and-so. But look, this is my show. Roman, we're, we're boys. We're best friends. You all need to get out of my ring right now because this is my show and I'm the champion. And I loved that that's exactly what Kofi did the next night on SmackDown when AJ showed up and he said... AJ, it's all good, but you need to get out of my ring before you figure out what happens. And I said, that that is where I start to feel, okay, this is the impact of a Raw guy coming over to SmackDown. And then I also have to give uh, Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan, I think they were great. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think Bray Wyatt may be the highlight of most episodes of Raw these days, to tell you the truth. I, I thought it was... You know, when people are going, why are they giving away Brian versus Kofi on Raw with you know almost no notice? And yes, it, ideally, and if the ratings weren't cratering, you would be like, hey, let's build this up for a couple of weeks, um, and 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 you know have a, a week at least a week of social media buildup going. The WrestleMania rematch, tune in, you're going to see it. it's going to kick off SmackDown or, or kick off Raw, whichever, um, and and try to get, build up that audience. That's ideal. But with the ratings last week, they just felt like we need to, you know, as Vince said, we may need to make this a Raw for the Ages, a Raw to remember. And let's be honest, Raw is not a one hour show anymore. It's a three hour show. So you are getting three hours notice that this is going to happen. That's more <laughs> notice than we get a lot of times, right? We are finding uh, yeah. out at eight that around 11, you're going to see this match. So it's plenty of time to get hyped up and call your friends. Yes, it is. Unfortunately... 444,000 fewer people watched the third hour than the first hour when they advertised in the first hour there'd be a WrestleMania rematch with Kofi and Daniel Bryan. The average drop-off this year is 406,000. Hmm. So they actually lost more viewers, and the third hour, I believe, was the second lowest viewership of any hour of Raw in history. So, like... This is why it's not a – now, it could have been way worse if they put Baron Corbin against – you know, Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley against Seth Rollins and whoever, you know, again. I mean, so this was more, you know, putting plugging fingers in the dam. But that said, building an audience up is making those people who did watch the 24,000 in a – WWE would like to send a special thank you to the 25,000 who kept them above $2 million. Um, But 24,000 people who watched that third hour – saw a good match 
and they saw Kofi as champion defending the title. They saw him beating a credible opponent in Daniel Bryan. They're more likely to watch next week than had the main event been something that just sort of felt like you had seen it before and it just reshuffled a few wrestlers. So that's building this brick by brick. And I think that's what has to be done. You can't offer WWE title matches on back-to-back nights with a fighting champion every week. So this was fun. It was a good night. It was a good two nights for Kofi. The crowd pops for the Sami Zayn near falls on Kofi defied the booking of Sami Zayn as a joke, getting thrown in dumpsters. The crowd was popping. I was popping. I thought Kofi and Sami were artists out there executing their craft brilliantly with with the timing of the moves and and you know three finishers in a row it was just like this is what people tune in for and i that's what i want to see wwe celebrating more when we talk about moving forward i want to see i want a, a genuine sense that the announcers and the wrestlers are are buzzing about the athleticism and the look what almost happened that was you know, it, it was similar to Dallas and St. Louis last night in the NHL with the the, the double overtime and all the cl- great saves by the goaltenders and the crowd pops in St. Louis for it. I was I had it on mute while recording my Raw Post Show podcast or Post Smackdown podcast last night on uh, Tuesday night, and I was just like trying to do a show, but I'm popping for all these incredible saves. <laughs> the NHL was going to celebrate that, and they did. I want WWE to celebrate the athleticism more because that's where, what they have with their champions now. And I think that's what people are embracing with Kofi. But I do think there's some positive signs with uh, the names that you mentioned. In ter- when, when someone stands up and acts like an alpha who's not worried about losing their job and kowtowing to Vince McMahon, that's, that's what I think fans gravitate towards. We can point to Rock and Steve Austin as an example of it. But I think in this era, people, every era of wrestling, it's most, most, most successful when the babyface doesn't seem like a compliant corporate employee trying to project a positive image for his boss and not ruffle feathers. And you want those wrestlers stepping out and seeming like they are the stars of the show and without them, this whole show wouldn't be here. And Seth Rollins had, I thought, a bad moment. And this is an example to learn from when he looked Vince McMahon in the face and said, no chance. I'm not teaming with AJ. Right. What did Fancy five minutes later? He's teaming with AJ. Right. So you can't have your lead babyface hero saying to the boss, no chance. That's a quote. No chance. And then five minutes later, he gives in. The examples you gave are wrestlers standing up, taking the initiative and being true to their word and flying in the face of authority and doing so brazenly. And I think, again, that's something to build on. That That's what fans tune in for. Are wrestlers who they can live vicariously through who aren't losing verbal battles in power battles to authority figures. Yeah, and I mean, I think for every segment that kind of, especially on Raw, just because Raw is, you know, a third longer, uh, I think for every segment where you kind of scratch your head and go, I don't know even what the intention of that was, I do feel like there is a lot right now that is kind of bubbling under the surface, and I think it's going to take a little bit of time to figure out how this bursts, you know, uh, one of the criticisms that you always hear older superstars kind of talk about the younger superstars these days is a, a lack of initiative and going out there and just taking what's yours regard, like making things work and hell it's live TV, just going out there and going for it. You know, a lot of times the, the older guys will criticize the younger guys for instead following direction to a T instead of bending the rules and and seeing how far you can bend them. And I think, I think at some point 
it kind of is going to take a little bit of that, that there, there is going to take uh, some semblance of not following complete direction in a real way. I, I think that, that, that that's the only, because realistically, creatively, WWE is always going to be one person's vision, right? And, and if, if you think that for your character, there is something else to do, you kind of have to figure out how to get there. Yeah. And, and social media is, is a way that some wrestlers do it. I mean, Tyler yeah. Breeze has tried to voice his, his uh, feelings. Cedric Alexander, after losing to Cesaro, was like, I, I want my rematch. I want to get I want to get my win back. You know, you can see examples of, of wrestlers with there's more agency for them on social media than there is on a, on a tightly scripted show. And and I think, again, that's what people are craving. And I mean, it's, it's not going to score points with Vince McMahon with a kind of internal tension between Triple H and Vince over different creative visions and and all the differences in, in what their uh, circumstances are with NXT being pre-taping a bunch of shows at once, only one hour a week. They don't have the demand of TV ratings. But the crowd response for the characters in NXT is so much more intense in what you're looking for than the main stars on Raw most of the time and SmackDown. Or the NXT wrestlers when they're brought over, um, and so there's something to be learned from what Triple H and that that just great team at, at NXT behind the scenes what they accomplish. Listening to to the excitement, Mauro Ronaldo feels like somebody who just never stops thinking about wrestling and loves it. And I think fans want more names of moves. They want to they want to know what the names of moves are, not just every once in a while you're shocked because Michael Cole said Michinoku Drive. You're like, wow. Cool, you know more than that. <laughs> like wrestling fans want to nerd out; they want to feel like this is for them, and everybody involved is super enthusiastic. Wrestlers taking initiative and, and seeming like they're their own people is a big thing. That's still a limitation with Roman Reigns. Is I, I I get the feeling that fans watch him and think he's showing up and doing what he's told, and he's not really thinking a lot about wrestling when he's not clocked in. And I think for a top star. You want to have the, uh, the the sense when he gets to the ring, he's just there's just this intense buildup of things he wants to talk about, and and because he's been thinking about it all week and he loves being there in front of the fans, and that that need I think that needs to be, come across with the whole roster of wrestlers, and they can't be punished for doing so because it doesn't fit, you know, kind of the 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 vision that Vince might have had that was a little too narrow or specific. What do you think the focus? of the WWE should be? Do you think that the the focus should be more on making sure that we get as many big stars on each show, Raw and SmackDown, as we possibly can? Or do you think that it should be making sure that there are stories accompanying the stars that we do have on the shows? Do you think that if you could only pick one thing, do you think we should say, you know what, let's not transfer the stars from show to show and let's start going deep with storytelling with the stars that we do have. Or do you think it's smarter to say, no, let's go a little bit light on the stories, but have more stars on each show and kind of show off the athleticism and why they're stars? I think there's a diminishing returns if you give away too many of the big stars on TV all the time, especially if they're switching brands. I think it should be strategic and purposeful and not every week that there's a wild card that that there's an invitation for wild card. I I don't know yet if Vince McMahon is thinking every week we're going to have four, give or take wrestlers show up on each brand, and every week you don't know who it's going to be, or if it's just a couple weeks m- might go by where there aren't 
wrestlers traveling back and forth. I hope it's dictated by storyline, not ratings. Mm-hmm. Like I, I hope that there's a game plan. But to your to answer your question very specifically, when Ricochet and Robert Roode have a match, I want interviews. I want backstory. I want I want weeks of being given the impression that they matter and they're on a journey. And when they face each other, there's consequences. I liked introducing this week that there was a reason that Ricochet battled Robert Roode because Robert Roode said, hey, I won. Why did he get picked for money in the bank? Yeah. But for that to matter more, it goes back to what I said about that detail work. Fans should already know what the criteria was and who decided who was in money in the bank. Because when you have that criteria and it's established, fans then have something to push back against or join in with in terms of, oh, I get why the decision was made. And I'm on Ricochet's side because of it, but I understand Robert Root has an argument and Ricochet is willing to stand up to him. Give us more detail on how the superstar shakeup worked, how the decision was made and who made the decision, what the criteria was for who's in money in the bank, other than this top secret decision of thinking about who you want to market and how the match will be executed. Come up with a good storyline reason for it. So then Ricochet Robert Root means more. Same thing for War Machine. And the Vi- or excuse me, Viking. God, I'm going to do that. Viking, uh, the Viking Raiders. Raiders. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, against Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. People really want to like Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, but we don't see them for long stretches of time. We don't hear from them. And the Viking Raiders, we haven't learned enough about. So you don't need to have all this, you know, four SmackDown stars on Raw. Make me care more about the tag team championships. Remind me every week what a big deal it is to Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins that they're tag team champions. Have the Viking Raiders issuing a mission statement talking about why they're there like Aleister Black did on SmackDown. There's examples of what there should be more of Mm -hmm. out there. Do more of that. Don't overexpose Roman Reigns and AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. I'm worried about the, the heavy lifters that before the roster split got leaned on all the time. Kevin Owens wrestling all the time. Sami Zayn wrestling all the time and doing mic work. There's diminishing returns to that. Instead, look elsewhere and get. But it take it's going to take three to six weeks to make people fully care about Ryder and Hawkins in the war in the Viking Raiders again. But you can do it and pay more attention in the seven days leading up to each show and plan it out for weeks ahead of time, like they're doing with Alistair Black and like they're doing with Lars Sullivan. Do that with at least 20 other wrestlers. Right. You know, like put yeah. that kind of attention into it. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the uh, WWE.com. Uh, promo that Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan did after they won the tag titles. But I thought, I mean, it's right up your alley of what you're talking about right now. And I just thought it was great. It was this moment. First of all, I love the little things. And and this is what I mean about guys like Eric Rowan and Daniel Bryan multiple times in that match with the Usos. They figured out ways to do team moves. And all of a sudden, like that move on the outside when when Rowan has the one Uso up and Brian comes out of nowhere and kicks him. So you're seeing Brian's kicks and his speed and Rowan's power and it's all morphed into one move. Like stuff like that. All of a sudden, I'm clicked in and I go, I'm invested in this team. More so, the promo that Daniel Bryan cut uh, after SmackDown that was for WWE.com about the tag team division and teams and you know he said all these teams are great but they treat the tag team division like it's a joke and he talked about the Usos and he talked about the New Day and he talked about all the tag teams that have been successful but that have been fun too and you know he started talking in terms of the the tag team evolution and now we're gonna have a tag team that main events Wrestlemania and within one within you know two minutes on YouTube 
I'm sitting here going, man, the SmackDown <laughs> tag titles are a huge deal. Um, w- did you see that? Yes. Yeah. No, I haven't. But no, oh, I'm it's going great. To. <laughs> yeah, you should really. Yeah. You should really check it out because it also it lets you know that you wondered too. You know, Daniel Bryan in in the lead up, both to his matches with AJ Styles and to Kofi Kingston, his promos have been so good that there is this fear. And I didn't. I wasn't scared of it too much, just because Daniel Bryan is just so good at every situation he's ever been in. But there was this fear of okay. He's a tag champion now. Is this just a pacification of the Daniel Bryan character so he can figure out what's next? And within two minutes on YouTube, I'm sitting here going, no, I want to see Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan as the tag team champions for the rest of my life, for the rest of their career. That's where I want to see them. And I think that is the power of being able to use words and and putting out the message in a way that uh, in the right way. And one of the things that I, I liked this week, uh, and I was leading there earlier and didn't say it regarding Brian and Rowan is Brian lost to Kofi Kingston. They got a TV main event out of it that was better than what they might have had without the wild card rule, um, given the cards they had to play with in the three days leading up to Raw. If they had planned for six weeks, maybe something better could have been there without having to do a wild card rule. I, in fact, I'm confident. I, I think you can headline with Viking Raiders against Ryder and Hawkins if you build up the tag division, right, and give us more of what you just described on the other brand from those wrestlers. Um, so oh, expand the number of wrestlers that Vince McMahon envisions being worth building up a TV main event for. NXT is really good at that um, with their weekly TV show. But Brian loses to Kofi, and then the next night he's in the tag division getting a big win with Rowan. So you you it, And that's the formula for Saturday night's main event back in the day. Vince would run the house show circuit where the most of the money was made, and it would be the Hulk Hogan against Hercules or whoever. And then or Terry Funk, you know, and then and then it might be on pay-per-view if the timing worked out. It might not. But it finally then made it to Saturday night's main event, which was the, you know, every two month equivalent of what is now the weekly Raw. They would blow off a match that they'd already, quote, made their money from and give it away to a larger audience that weren't attending live events. This is kind of a compact version of it. Daniel Bryan loses to Kofi, but it doesn't hurt Bryan because he's got a different mission now. Right. It has nothing to do with losing to Kofi and they rebuild him right away. And you're suddenly intrigued with him because he's in a new place. I would make the same argument in reverse for Cesaro. He was in a the bar tag team that got kind of stale. I don't think they were damaged because they, but they weren't red hot. And now he moves to Raw. Treat him like you just signed him from WCW and he was getting a big push. Like like have that mentality. Represent him to fans and get more out of him. But I thought that was smart. Uh, the, how they did it with Daniel Bryan and and how they how they gave that away and then. Absolutely. Your example is uh, from Brian is the type of input that I think if wrestlers had more input like that and it made it onto television more often, the shows would be better. I mean, I, I just I can just imagine the emails and the tweets coming in right now and the poll responses from people suddenly getting excited about Ron Smackdown again. If that content was weaved into the show and there were six examples of it every week, not one on YouTube every few weeks. Yeah. And I also wonder, too, you know, I, I, I talked about it, I think it was last week after the John Moxley promo came out on Twitter and kind mm-hmm. of blew everybody's mind that creating video content is easier in 2019 than it ever has been, especially with young people. You know, you can find a 19 year old wrestling fan that can do Spielberg worthy 
video editing on a MacBook. Like, it's really, really easy. And I kind of wonder if the move has to be that the same way guys can sometimes go to Twitter and just take matters into their own hands somewhat. You know, you can't go crazy and just do whatever you want. It has to make sense based on what we're seeing. But, you know, Ali... The reason that his promo on SmackDown looked like his promo on SmackDown looked was because when he was still, I think he was still on 205 Live when he was doing them, he was going on his personal Instagram account and he was Mm -hmm. posting these videos that he was making himself with his buddy that was videoing him, you know, and he he was doing it and it wasn't anything that disrupted any storylines. It was just, here's who Mustafa Ali is at the time and... Doesn't it look interesting? And doesn't this look cool? And doesn't this feel modern? And doesn't this feel, you know, like it's 2019? I think that that maybe, you know, I understand that, that, that superstars are busy. And they only got a couple days off. And who wants to go shoot videos in their days off? But, you know, would it be the silliest thing in the world if even though they're in WWE, guys were kind of putting out videos and girls? If people were, were if the superstars were putting out their own videos to kind of introduce their characters the way they saw them. Well, part of that is is re- taking a fresh look at the culture of how these shows are produced. And each individual wrestler, look at each individual wrestler differently. Some, it's like kids in a third grade class. Some are going to work better in a group setting. Some are going to work better individually. Some mm. need more leadership. And some are going to be most productive when you give them 45 minutes on their own at a table. Um, just doing their own thing with a computer or, or a worksheet. Like wrestling, these are all different individuals. Embrace that. Yeah. So if, if you have somebody like Ali who wants to go do his own thing, that's great. If you have someone like Roman Reigns who's showing up saying, what do you got for me? And then he just does it. Well, you got to put extra effort into making sure that what you have for him is what is ideal because perhaps he isn't going to show up or be super engaged in in changing things because he sort of trusts the system. And some characters are just better built to not be trusted to uh, that's maybe that's the wrong way to phrase it, but maybe Braun Strowman shouldn't be out there trying to create really funny videos. Uh, right. Maybe he need maybe he would be. I don't, you know, I'm I, I'm not actually saying I know, but Learn about each wrestler individually. Get to know them as people and what motivates them and when they should be given some freedom to do their own thing versus handed a script and said, just do this. Some of that happens. John Cena would show up, get a script for what he was going to do and say, and he would work with the writers and change it and add his voice. Um, And so some top guys do that. Some mid-card guys do it. Others just you know, Randy Orton, it's like, give me a script, and now I'm going to disappear, pace back and forth, and memorize it for a couple hours. Everybody's different, but I think the ones who want to have more agency in what they do and how they present themselves, I don't think that's showing up on TV. It's showing up in social media. Find a way to get that creativity on TV. Even if it's just showing the social media posts. Well, that, that works too. Right. But I, yes, I mean, I will take that. But I, I, I think it should be systematically built into the culture of the production of how the shows are, are made. Right. That it's not, oh, hey, there was this cool thing that gained traction on social media. Let's throw it on the air. M- make that something you pridefully, systematically show up as, an, as a creative organization and cultivate and plan for. And it's not happenstance. But I'll take what you're saying also. So ultimately, big picture, macro level thinking over the last two days, do you leave – Raw and SmackDown feeling pessimistic, optimistic, or curious? Ooh. Um, I know dead pauses and podcasts aren't good, so I'm filling it by explaining why <laughs> dead pauses are good. Uh, I, I'll say curious. I, I, I saw enough good 
that if they build on it, um, there's reason for optimism. It, I, 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 I could be wrong. I feel like we heard WWE Universe less often the last two days. Mm-hmm. Um, wrestlers, I think, are allowed to say belts or titles and not just championship. Like, if they could loosen up. And, and by the way, I, I, a, a journalist, a writer by trade, I went to journalism school, I interned at a major TV news station. I understand having internal style guides for how things should be said and certain words that sound better than other words and proper. I I get all that. I'm actually more sympathetic to most when it comes to Vince McMahon thinking it don't refer to them as guys. I remember Paul Heyman telling me that like 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. Tony Schiavone shouldn't be referring to wrestlers as guys. Guys are, you know, doing, doing yard work or hanging out outside at McDonald's superstars or athletes or wrestlers. So I get that, but it goes too far. And and it's so clunky every time a wrestler who's in the heat of the moment is remembering to say the proper corporate Orwellian WWE universe term. So I feel like I got less of that. Maybe I'm projecting or I'm wrong or it was it was a coincidence. But like if if that's true, if if there's a little loosening up, I think then that's where I'm curious and pause and 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 uh, uh, optimistic. But I'm pessimistic if this was done as a well we got through this week. And not enough thought was put into it. And I think some of the sloppiness of how the wildcard rule was announced is worries me a little bit. So I want next week to see that a lot of thought continue to be put into this. This was plug the hole. We're going to give away title matches and have talent rotate. But I'm I'm curious to see how much thought and planning goes into sustaining this for weeks weeks going forward because – you can't have this, quote, surprise of AJ finally returning to SmackDown after missing it for two whole weeks. You can't play that <laughs> card again next week. You right. know, So they have to have a, a long-term plan. And again, I think I, I've said this a few times this week, but they need to change the culture of the presentation. And I think fans will notice that, and I think it will go a long way. This week can be the beginning of that, or it could be a, a stopgap, short-term fix without addressing the real problems. It's too early to tell for sure. There's some enough positive signs to be optimistic if you want to be, but I'm more curious and we'll see over the next couple of weeks. What do you think of, uh, the Firefly Funhouse? I'm enjoying them. Yeah. I, I like, like everybody, uh, well, I shouldn't say everybody. I think like most people, I'm really intrigued. I like this kind of intense, um, uh, uh, uh w- vignette buildup to a character. Yeah. I, I, the concern I hear is, is will, will this translate to a, an, an in arena experience that doesn't feel like more Adam Rose, No Way Jose, uh, Brodus Clay, where it's like there's this over-the-top personality with an over-the-top ring entrance, but it doesn't translate to the in-ring character. And then a journey of, you know, like Aleister Black is laying out his motivation, what his journey is. He wants to win. Why does he want to win? Who's he trying to prove something to? Like that's all there in his promos. I want that component added to the new reinvented Bray. But it is super compelling, and I really, I mean, I, the, as soon as it aired on my PWTorch.com Raw report on Monday night when I was live reporting on it, I just said, I think I kind of love this. You know, that was my yeah. first reaction. Not everybody does, but I'm on board for the ride. I just, I hope they're thinking about beyond the creative vignettes and are thinking, okay, when he appears in the ring or on his way to the ring, there's this element, the ring entrance and the way to the ring. Then there's what he does in the ring. But even have to go beyond that, I want a four-month plan in their head about things that happen in the ring 
that reveal more about him and lead fans to feel differently about him as opposed to what I think was a stagnation in the White family or the Bray White, the previous Bray White character, where it started to feel like community theater platitudes and cliches repeated over and over, and he lost all the time, and he didn't really change his spot on the card. And I, I think there's reason to worry about that, but this reinvention could reinvigorate him. He's 31, I think. He's got 10-plus years if they do this right, to be a really valuable character. So I'm super hopeful and and more optimistic than than anything. Yeah, and I think the uh, like the closing with all you have to do is let me in, and I, I think that there's enough there that clearly they are telling a story that is continuing, and I do feel like week after week we're actually learning more and more. I think the yep. last week with the sociopath thing, you start to see, oh, this is really dark. Like, that's how dark they're going. And then this week with the kids looking stone face and the and the, and the the rabbit getting killed, it's like, okay, now we're really going someplace. Did you know that this week was the first time that I realized that Mercy the Buzzard was a, com- was j- was a complete Waylon Mercy reference? Not only did I just realize that this week, I was sure that nobody else had realized this. I was the first to figure it out. <laughs> and then I tweeted out and everybody's like, yeah, duh. We, we, yeah, I know. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I just figured it out when he said, know what I mean. And that's a great example of, of callbacks and rewarding people, rewarding viewers for paying attention, respecting their knowledge and, and paying them off for it. And, and that's what you want to see more of is that, is that, that layering. And I am a, uh, a, a fan as a child and a fan as an adult of the genius of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yes, People should watch that if they haven't. It works on so many levels, and and th- to to do to play off of that grabbed my attention right away because I just think you know Pee Wee Herman was a genius with that show. Which, um, I, I didn't know what to think of it when it was on Saturday mornings and I was you know twelve years old trying to figure the world out. Um, but that's part of the appeal. But as an adult, it's it's hilarious. Whatever state of mind you're in, it's great. Well, yeah, and and it and it. I think that that's why this thing appeals to a broad generation because to people who are around our age, it appeals to us because it harkens back to that. It harkens back to the sort of eighties kids TV show. Even people that are a little bit older that grew up with like HR Puff and stuff and, and shows like yep. that. I think it <laughs> harkens all the way back to that as well as touching on, you know, stuff that kids are watching now on YouTube or Disney Channel or whatever it is. So Mercy the Buzzer is obviously Waylon Mercy and I was late to the party on that. Does this mean, is is Abby the Witch and Abdullah the Butcher reference? Oh, I don't know that yet. Okay, that's what I start, and then interesting, and then I start. I mean, there has I am I, I what wrestler who was rambling, rambling rabbit? Who, who what 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 wrestler was rambling? Who's that a reference to? Do we know? Do we have any ideas? I don't know yet, but I feel we're gonna get yelled at on social media. Me too, because I feel like there's yeah. right on the tip of my tongue there was somebody who was called rambling something, or mm-hmm. or it was like a nickname for somebody, but. Somebody has figured this out, I'm sure. Because I all I know is if I figured it out today and I tweeted it, people would be like, "Yes, yeah, Sam. Yeah, we know. Duh." So, well, and and I know. I mean, what what's fun is there are so people are are parsing what is going on in the videos in a way that that perpetuates social media discussion. You know, was that a Game of Thrones reference? That's very topical. Was that a callback to Waylon Mercy? Now I'm being rewarded for knowing my history. Was there a nod to a segment that Bray Wyatt did back in the day that I'm picking up on because I'm a longtime viewer? Reward people for that. 
um, make them feel proud that they know the history and they're rewarded for paying attention. And they have that little extra knowledge that that just more of that. I mean, like I know it's I know it's five hours of TV a week. And I know uh, Jimmy Jacobs was on social media a few months ago going, it's hard. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and it's hard. Under, it's, it's even more difficult as we're hearing under circumstances sometimes on Mondays and Tuesdays, especially Mondays when scripts are rewritten and, and you know, Vince isn't happy with things and it's chaotic and frustrating. And again, the culture of the production that goes into the shows and then the culture of the presentation of the shows is if I'm WWE, that's what I'm taking a hard look at. And I'm looking for positives like the Firefly Funhouse and what what's going on with Ali, wh- what Daniel Bryan did on social media, what Alistair Black is doing as vignettes. And then I say, all right, where are the other areas we're not applying this? And why aren't we with our essentially unlimited budget? So why need- aren't we doing more of that? Needless to say, you're a fan of the Alistair Black vignettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. I mean, I have to replay them three times for my brain to understand everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's good. That's a good thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Alistair Black. I think that he has so much upside. I think that ever since getting to the main roster, every time he gets in the ring, he kind of comes across like he could be in the main event right now. So uh, I'm glad that you like them. I was just thinking, um, so as we're talking about the Firefly Funhouse, I think there are even, you know, there's little things without hitting it right on the nose we still have this serial killer fascination in in our society. You know, uh, uh, Ted Bundy has a new special on Netflix every two weeks now, and people are are just eating it up. So I think that that touches on that. And and this is something that's been in my head recently, and I would love to hear what you think of it. Um, You know, wrestling has always kind of been a reflection of the culture that it exists in, you know, and you go back to when wrestling was most popular and a lot of uh, the issues of the day and a lot of the stuff that was going on in the real world also would play itself out inside uh, of WWE rings. Do you think there is a way to kind of take the divisiveness that I feel like just encompasses everything in society these days whether it's and it starts in politics obviously but it goes into into comedy it goes into the late night shows it goes into snl it goes into social media and twitter and instagram and 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 everything there is a a political divisiveness that just kind of permeating our culture right now do you think there is a way for the wwe to play on that without isolating its audience or is this supposed to be an escape from all that my, my first inclination is is make it seem like an escape so it's not overt mm-hmm. but if there's a way i mean I, I i guess i'd need some i think it would be a case-by-case thing in terms yeah. of specifics because i mean how how hesitant are public figures who aren't in the realm of politics to express their opinion to their audience on politics these days. Yeah. Because we're so polarized. We have different sets of information, and one side is so sure they have the true facts, and the other side don't or are bad people. Um, And to bring that in and to have – like, I I don't want – necessarily i don't want to know the politics of the parents of the friends of my son because i just feel like it would yes. color too much yes our interactions so do i want to know that about the wrestlers or the fans that i'm watching the show with do you want do you want it to come up do you even want that to be a discussion that gets sparked i'm i'm 
hesitant to go that route. But if you can do it, and, and I mean, WWE is like, I mean, they will. Mansoor isn't from Saudi Arabia. He's from the Middle East. Like they mm-hmm. won't even say his home country right now because it's it's Saudi Arabia is such and rightfully so just such a controversial topic. Uh, they they will not talk about Trump being in the Hall of Fame. They're they they aren't talking about get out the vote anymore. They like it, they just they're so trying to stay away from the politics. I'd be surprised if they got into it. And then when you have Linda McMahon in the Trump administration, I guess that's true. You 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 end up with that as as a. You know, they don't like to they don't talk about that. So to me, I feel like it's not a mistake to not bring when people watch Raw, it's because they don't want to watch the political news channels. They don't want to engage in that debate. They want to see wrestlers fighting for championships um, who are larger than life and 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 letting loose. So although yeah, this I, this I, this Daniel Bryan character at its essence is about as close as you could probably get to the sort of stereotype social justice warrior, you know, over the top environmentalist person. There is something in that Daniel Bryan character. And that might be why the Daniel Bryan character, whether you're cheering or booing, feels so relevant. Yeah, but I think he ran into trouble with it. I know he got frustrated. He was, you know, kind of told he had said he was, you know, he wanted to do more with the pro environment shtick, but I, I was never comfortable with WWE presenting a show where Heel was mocking the notion that maybe we ought to think about the sourcing of our food mm-hmm. and whether factory farming, international supplies of, of meat and how those animals are treated should be something that's on our mind when we make decisions about why we buy food. To me, people like who don't think about that stuff are like, ah, social media war, why is he social justice war? Why is he telling us how to live our lives? But I saw it as, well, this should be a baby face. I mean, like, I, I don't buy factory farm food at all. I absolutely abstain from it. But don't you and, think that don't you think that there's a, a, a difference in the way the message the way the character is delivering the message? It's not so much that Daniel Bryan's message is wrong. It's the fact that he thinks that everybody that doesn't think like him is a monster and he's telling them, if you don't do what I do and what I say, you're a monster. I, f- I felt like that was the essence of what made him a bad guy, not so much this idea that morally and probably health-wise and all that, he was actually doing the right thing. Yes, I, I get that that was what the, the point was, is I get your message, but you're annoying in delivering it. But if that if he had been talking instead about pro-gay marriage, and an audience, because of the way he delivered the message about um, a- accepting people with different sexual orientations and you should do it, and you have 10,000 people booing that, yeah. do you really want to explain to sponsors, well, no, it's not that we're against people accepting people of different sexual orientations. It's just that they're booing the way he delivered that message. And I mean, it's I, a pretty dangerous thing to do on a show that's targeted towards kids, and, and you kind of have to take responsibility a little bit for the way those minds are being molded, right? Right. And yeah. so if, if the idea is, well, it's, it's the way it delivers a message, apply that to other things that you feel that, that you feel are sort of settled issues mm-hmm. um, and or, or 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 moving in the right direction. And if all of a sudden you're a WWE corporation having a character eliciting booze for someone who's advocating women's equality, uh, you know, um, or you know, whatever, I mean religious tolerance, whatever, you know, and, and crowds are booing. It's a bad look. Yeah. So I, I understand you can kind of explain, Brian can explain, well, it's just that I'm so preachy about it, but it's like, if that's the topic you're choosing 
And in the news, you have all these scientists saying, you know, we're going to lose a million species and the ice caps are melting. And then, I mean, like, it's to me, that's where you're bringing in a situation where it could look bad to sponsors and backfire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it's a, yeah, it's a tricky thing. I think you're right. Um, well, Wade Keller... Where can people uh, get a hold of of the PW Torch? Because not only do you have uh, your podcasts that you do, and I say podcasts, plural, because you do them all week long, uh, but you have a tremendous newsletter and newsletter archive, as well as audio archive available uh, for everybody, right? Yes. Yeah. 30 plus years of newsletters, over 1,600 back issues. So you can become a VIP member get 30 plus years of coverage, my cover stories, my interviews before wrestlers did interviews on podcasts with each other. Um, there's decades of, of long form, fascinating Q and a with pro wrestling's biggest names, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold, The Rock, uh, Eric Bischoff, Jim Ross, uh, Goldberg, I don't know. I mean, just Paul Heyman, Jim Cornette. Uh, they're all there uh, to read or in some cases listen to in the archive. So go to pwtorchvipinfo.com. You get new VIP exclusive content every day, access to our archives and our VIP podcast feed, which includes all the free podcasts I do with the ads and plugs removed, which is a nice bonus. But if you're not ready to go on board and and, and subscribe, just check out our free shows four times a week. Just search Wade Keller on your uh, podcast app. And we do a post show on Ron Smackdown. It actually streams live right after Ron Smackdown every Monday and Tuesday night. And then the full show, including on-site correspondents who are in the building, talking about what happened off air, um, we, we include them and we also answer mailbags with a mix of co-hosts that's available for download for free, uh, post raw, post Smackdown, and then two or three other shows also for free later in the week. So just search Wade Keller and subscribe. We'd love to have you check out not just my opinion, but that of, of the whole team of great voices. And then follow me on Twitter at the Wade Keller, follow our brand at PW torch and check out our website for news and commentary, pwtorch.com, including my thoughts as Ron Smackdown air. Awesome. Well, dude, I always appreciate it. It's always good talking to you, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Sam. It was a blast. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.